It's like every day is a holy day with Jesus. Every day is a good day. And, um, you know, I think that we should always be thankful. There's no time we shouldn't be thankful. And if that's not what God has for the house today is a message on thankfulness, maybe we need to hear a message on repentance. We need to be ready. Amen. But uh, I had a word ready, but I felt the Lord say this would be a great time to talk about thankfulness as I was hearing those prophetic words coming up. So today I'm going to talk to you about the attitude of gratitude. It's an important subject, especially during this time. And I don't know if many of you even um, know the history of Thanksgiving. So let's go to the notes. Before you open up your Bibles, we're going to go to history right now. You can look it up. Lincoln's Thanksgiving Proclamation. How many already know a little bit of the history of Thanksgiving? If you do, raise your hand. We'll have you come and explain it to the class this morning. Half kid. Uh, Most of us have uh, probably not thought much about it. And then when it comes to what we do know, much of it is probably incorrect. And and what I think is kind of funny right now is that there's a big fight against the traditional understanding of Thanksgiving as a time with the pilgrims and the Native Americans. There's a lot of pushback. How many have seen that? Uh, so there's a lot of pushback with that. So there's this idea like, we're going to tell you the truth about what happened. These big bad pilgrims did X, Y, and Z. But they don't even understand. There's another truth beyond that truth, okay? Of course, that is a lot of silliness in and of itself. It's not like the Native Americans were all just smoking peace pipes, getting along with each other. It's not like all the indigenous people never murdered each other either and did other things. As a matter of fact, a lot of the Native American tribes sided with the pilgrims to defeat their own enemies, the other tribes, because they hated them that much, as well as those in Latin and South, um, Central and South America sided with the conquistadors against the Mayans and the Aztecs because they hated those dudes, okay? So there's a lot of that that's not being told. So if if you're even into that discussion, make sure that you have a well-rounded discussion. But can I just be a little bit more like unraveling of this story? Can I unravel some of this for you guys? That's not even the real reason why we have a holiday called Thanksgiving, You can look it up. This is not even like conspiracy. This is not like Joe's so deep. We're going to learn something today about the Illuminati. No, like you can just look it up, like the history of Thanksgiving, Wikipedia, and you can see what what was a part of how the pilgrims celebrated a day of thankfulness, but that's not why we have a day of thankfulness. has nothing to do with the quote-unquote pilgrims and the Native Americans who, who used to be called Indians and nobody wants them to be called Indians anymore, okay? It's just like a midget's not a midget, now they're a short person. And I honestly thought that the word midget would be better than short person, because I feel, or little person, because I feel like if I walk up to you and I'm like, are you a little person? I feel like that's just weird. I'd rather like have like a name for you, you know, like dwarfism is a name, you know, like dwarfism. So if I walk up to you and I go, are you from the Shire? Are you a hobbit? Are you a midget? That's, I think that would be nicer than me saying, are you a little person? You a short person, whatever you you know, but at the same time, listen to all my short skis out there because there are some that I have good friendships with and I'm looking at them right now and I always tease them that they're from the Shire. If I call you a hobbit, you can always call me Shrek, okay? We'll just make it even. 
But anyways, going back to this, this idea, the pilgrims having meals of thankfulness is what carried through in the American culture through thankful times and repentance times and prayer times. So it wasn't just about like, let's get together and have a meal with some folks and just you know celebrate us conquering them. That, that wasn't the reason why we have a day called Thanksgiving. The reason was, is from the very founding of our nation, Many of those who came here had Christian beliefs. Now, whether they always lived like Christians is up to them at that time and up to God now to judge them. I don't know. I can definitely tell you, like, let's just be very clear. If they were slave trading, they were not living like Jesus and they went to hell, okay? So if anybody's wondering, like, where I, where I fit in that category of that, okay? The Bible is very clear. Slave traders go to hell. That's what the Bible said. Paul said that to Timothy. Can I get an amen? But uh, the idea that everybody is slave trading, everybody's conquistadoring, everybody's raping, um, you know, uh, Pocahontas, all of that, that is not the truth, okay? There was, a just, there was a lot of just people doing their thing. Just like the way I look at it right now is I'm against abortion. Are you against abortion? But how many know abortions in your culture right now? So if somebody, you know, if a generation with common sense and, you know, looks back at our generation, they'll be like, you guys were a bunch of monsters. You were murdering children. What was wrong with you? But we would be like, hey, I was there, but I was not of that. How many live in Chicago, but you don't kill anybody? You don't believe in shooting people, right? But you live in a city where they're shooting people all the time. And oftentimes when we go other places, I don't know about you, but they like to consider me a part of the shooting or, you know, like I'm a part of the problem. Like, oh, you're from Chicago. I feel sorry for you. We're praying for you folks. I'm like, good, keep praying for them, but I'm not shooting anybody. I'm a nice person. I have nice neighbors, okay? And so this idea that everybody was owning a slave, everybody was was taken over uh, Pocahontas's land is not true. Okay. Now, what began to happen over time is they had multiple days in America of prayer, fasting, and thanksgiving. That just like in our church, just like in other churches, people established times of prayer. And in different denominations, they joined together and say, this is the national day of prayer. We're all going to get together as churches and pray for our nation. This is see you at the poll. We're going to all go to the polls of the schools and pray for schools. How many know there's national days of prayer? There's national days of fasting. We're going to fast for the election. Maybe um, uh, Dutch Sheets and others who are over the, the prayer networks, they say we're going to fast. Well, this was exactly what was going on. <clears throat> Excuse me. No conspiracy. This is not COVID. This is just my throat warming up, okay? <clears> throat> It's like a 58 Chevy some morning. <clears throat> Come on. Get to purr in here. Help me out. I get paid to talk for a living, and this is what happens. Please forgive me. I will do better. So there's these various days. You can look it up. This, this, is, this is the fact of the matter. And by the time of Abraham Lincoln in the middle of the Civil War, there is one woman, this powerful woman of God. I'm assuming she's a Christian and doing the right thing. She is writing the president going, hey, we have all of these days of prayers and these different days of fasting all over the country with all of these different denominations, and we need to just gather them all together and have one day. This will be our day. That way all the denominations, all the churches, and all the Christians can be on the same page that on this day we pray. On this day we give thanks to God and we ask him to bless our nation. Abraham Lincoln, in the middle of the Civil War, writes this. Are you guys ready for this? This is history. 
that, uh, excuse me, a proclamation. The year that is drawing towards its close has filled with the blessings of fruitful fields and healthful skies. How many know America still has fruitful fields and healthful skies? Amen. To these bounties, which are so consistently enjoyed that we are prone to forget the source from which they come. Others have been added, which are of so extraordinary a nature that they cannot fail to penetrate and soften even the heart, which is habitually insensible to the ever-watchful providence of Almighty God. It's saying, man, it's so good here that even if you have a hard heart towards God, when you are eating your corn and you're eating your turkey and you're eating all the things that come from the land, you know you smile. You know you get happy when you slaughter that cow. Like, you know life is good even if you're hard, your heart is hard. This is, this is Abraham Lincoln talking. You better recognize the providence of God, he's saying. In the midst of a civil war, unequaled magnitude and severity. Now, Everybody has a different opinion now about the Civil War who doesn't want to accept it for what it is. But I still just simply accept it for what it is. A bunch of people wanted to continue to own a lot of other people. And another group of people said, you need to stop that. They didn't want to stop that, so they went to war and killed each other over that. I think that's pretty amazing that in our country, people died for another group of people. That they laid down their lives for them. Now, some people could say it was those people's fault to begin with, but that's an amazing thing. Most times, people are fighting in their own nation for their own freedom. In our nation, the Anglos fought and died to free the African-American. That's a wonderful story, right? So we need to be careful when we look back at our history and we try to make America out to be the most racist place on the planet. We might be talking to somebody's ancestor that literally died in a war so that they might be free. You don't know the stories of what people's ancestors have gone through. Everybody's white privilege is not the same. Somebody's white privilege might have been to get their knee and their leg blown off in the Civil War so that they could see Kuta Kinte get free. Are you listening to me? Because it wasn't black people killing other white, uh, killing white people to get free. It was white people killing white people so that black people could get free. And remember, at that same exact time, or well, within about 50 years, within a, a generation, but it was still happening in smaller ways, but I like to always talk about this figure. In South Africa, Kuta Kinte, not Kuta Kinte, um, Shaka Zulu was taking over South Africa and enslaving and doing genocide on his own people. So here, here you have African privilege, the one who has the biggest stick beating the other one, the biggest, longest spear, are you listening to me, the biggest army, in, enslaving his own people, while white guy over here is killing his own cousin, his own uncle, whatever, family members fighting each other to set slaves free. In Jesus' name, I believe that was a God thing, the Civil War. That's a war worth fighting, are you listening? So he's saying, in the midst of this, <clears throat> in the midst of this, I know it was cute at the beginning, but I got to do this again. Can you give me some water, please? <clears throat> Excuse me, Jesus. <sighs> There's nobody looking at me now. I'm just all by myself. I can just relax, take deep breaths. <sighs> There's no pressure to perform. My voice will be okay. In Jesus' name. <laughs> Having my moments up here with you. How many know Jesus loves me even though my voice is acting weird? How many know like, like my voice was fine like five minutes ago? Like how many know that's what we do as pastors? Like I'm back there in the back. I have water. This is like my second mint. I've already done the ha, 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 la, 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 la. 
I've already done all of that. And then I come out here and it does this. It's like when you want to use your internet, your internet never works. If somebody's looking at your phone, your phone never works. You want to show them a picture, you know. Look at your neighbor and tell them something you're thankful for, please. Thank you. What are you thankful for? I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful that my voice is working itself out today. Okay. In the midst of a civil war of unequal magnitude and severity, which has sometimes seemed to foreign states to invite and to provoke their aggression, peace has been preserved with all nations, order has been maintained, the laws have been respected and obeyed, and the harmony has prevailed everywhere except in the threat of military conflict. While that theater has been greatly contracted by the advancing armies and navies of the Union, Basically, what he's saying is everybody's at peace except these guys over here that are fighting against us. If these guys would not be fighting against us, we wouldn't be at war with them, but we have to be for the greater good. Needful diversions of wealth and of strength from the fields of peaceful industry to the national defense have not arrested the plow, the shuttle, or the ship. The axe has enlarged the borders of our settlements and the mines as well of of iron and coal as of the precious metals have yielded even more abundantly than heretofore. He's like, man, business is good. Come on, how many can say business is good with God? When God is on your side and God is blessing your nation, business is good. That's what the president is saying. We would be at peace if we weren't at war, but since we're at war, we are advancing. But while we're advancing, all of these things are still happening. Population has steadily increased, notwithstanding the waste that has been made in the camp, the siege in the battlefield, and the country rejoicing in the consciousness of augmented strength and vigor is permitted to accept continuance of years with large increase of freedom. Somebody say freedom. Thank you. No human counsel hath devised, nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things. Okay, so highlight that, please. No human counsel has devised, nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things. What are the great things? We got freedom. We're growing in population. Our expansion is happening. We're building more towns and cities. The land is producing metals. The land is producing steam, I mean a coal. The land is producing food. All of this is happening, and we're winning the war. We're seeing the armies marching on. But this is not by human counsel. That's not how that happened. This is not by the hand of man. Who does he give credit to? They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God who while dealing with with us in anger for our what? For our sins hath nevertheless remembered what? Mercy. That's the real deal right there. I would like to see Trump say that, President Trump. I would like to see a, a president really talk about what the issue is. The issue is God has been good to us, but we have not been good to him. God has blessed us, but we have not blessed him. That is what the president is saying there. God has blessed us with the ground, the ground that produces all that we're eating. The the animals that reproduce after their kind, the beautiful sky and the air that we breathe, all of the knowledge and the technology. He's saying God has blessed us, but we have been in our sins. Nevertheless, he has remembered mercy. He has remembered mercy. How many know we need to be thankful for God's mercy? 
It has seemed to me fit and proper that they should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged as with one heart and one voice by the whole American people. He says, we need to understand these great things God has done for us. We owe God that. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens. All right, since you invited me, Abraham Lincoln, to do this, I'm not going to listen to my governor this week. I'm going to make sure I do this with a lot of people, okay? I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as a day of thanksgiving to remember the pilgrims, to talk about who was right, the Native Americans or the pilgrims, no, as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. That cannot be any other God except the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because Islam does not have a father as a God. And all the other uh, religions of the pagans have multiple gods. He acknowledges one God and Father. This is the God of the Bible. He says we must, we must take this time and give thanksgiving and praise to the Father. This is deep, y'all. This is really deep. We need to get this in our culture and society because without knowing who to thank, we become selfish and self-centered, and we become the worst kind of people. I was watching a TV series called The Good Place. It's got Ted Danza in it. Not Ted Danza. Is that his name? Tony, Tony Danza. That's right. That's, that's, that's who's the boss. Ted something from Cheers. What was his last name? Dancing. Thank you, sir. So I had a D in there, but I just mispronounced it or I missaid it. You know what I'm talking about now. It's called The Good Place. If you've never seen it, I, I don't know if I'd recommend it. It has, it has some off parts, but it's, it's not a dirty thing. It's like, a, it's like on TV, like normal TV. Because a lot of times like, I'll watch like a Netflix-like sitcom. I'm like, whoa, y'all got dirty real quick in this. This got crazy real quick. Can I go back to an NBC sitcom? I used to think Friends was bad or something. I had to shut that off at times. But, man, they get dirty real quick. So be careful with what you watch. But this one doesn't have any of that kind of badness. It just talks about lifestyles of sin in different ways. But there's something that is, is about this uh, show that really caught me here. And I'm going to have to spoil it a little bit. And it seems like most of you don't even care anyways. Okay. But uh, the idea is these people die and they show up to the good place and they think they're in heaven. But it's really the bad place. It's where a demon is going to mess with them and torture them on the, on the slick. So they're always trying to figure out, like, why isn't this working the way it's supposed to be working if I'm in the good place? But, you know, no one's, no one's telling me what's up. So, for example, instead of having ice cream, they have yogurt, and they have, like, the blandest flavors of yogurt. So, like, you got all-you-can-eat peach yogurt. And they're trying to figure it out, like, man, I don't really like yogurt that much, but... I guess it's the good place, but they try to convince them. You know, they're like, the good, in the good place, peach yogurt is the best, but it just tortures them psychologically. Well, at some point, they actually figure it out, and the whole series goes on, and uh, I'm, I'm going to spoil it here for you. They eventually get to the good place, the real good place. And when they get to the good place, they then get to do whatever they want. 
They get to set up, you know, all of the adventures they've been wanting to do. They can go back in time. They, they can do all of this. Now, most of it's like the Matrix, computer animated. That's how they enable them to have their fantasy. So you can go back in time to the 15th century, and this, uh, this, this person, I forget what they call her name. She's like the, the being that follows them around and creates these things. We'll let you be there, and then there will be other. So you'll talk to the people, and you'll get to eat food and everything, but it's really a virtual reality. It's weird. You know, you get what I'm saying, though, right? So they get to do whatever they want. They get to go play a football game in the Super Bowl. They get to do all this. Okay, well, it gets to the end, and now they're like, we're bored. We've done everything. We're bored. And then they literally have to talk to the judge, which is a female uh, from Saturday Night Live. And I guess she gets to be God in it, but they don't really call her God. They call her the judge. And they, they basically say, we've got an idea. And this is like the whole big thing of the movie. Like, we're going to change the afterlife. We're smarter than the judge. We're smarter than the being that knows everything that creates these worlds for us to live in. We now figured something out. And that is that you can have too much of a good thing. At some point, you just got to end and go back to energy. And so as you follow it out, and this brings you to the, to the point that I'm trying to make, they've done all of their things. They've played all of the Super Bowls. They've won it, you know, in that, in that virtual world. They felt what it was like to be the quarterback, to be the running back, to be the model, to be the astronaut. They got to do all of these things. And then they got to spend time with their loved ones. For eternity, which, which is like thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And then each one at a certain time goes, it's ready for, I'm ready to say goodbye now. And then they walk through a door, and then it's like all new agey, and then they turn into little, little, uh, little orbs of light, and then they get recycled into other people and other places, okay? Little orbs of light float around. I was so sad and depressed when I watched that. That was supposed to be the grand finale of these people becoming orbs. And it's like you're supposed to just have a tear in your eye like, oh, man, I hope heaven's like that, the good place. I hope I get to do whatever I want and hang out with whoever I want so I just can't do it anymore. And then I get to become an orb of light. And then this is where I began to understand. See, this is the godless and how they think. Because for them, they can not see the fullness of joy. All they can see is the joy of winning the Super Bowl, the joy of being an astronaut. But the Bible says in his presence, talking about God, is the fullness of joy, and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. And so in their mind, in their earthly mind, they are right. They can see that there's an end to all human pleasure. But what they're forgetting is the God who made them has no end. Therefore, there will be no end to the pleasure of being in God's presence and being thankful for, to God. Because every time you will get around him in eternity, you will see a new aspect, a new thing, a something else to be grateful for, to be thankful for. And it will go on for eternity because he's not just energy, he is a person. And it will be a loving relationship that will not grow dull like maybe being with your wife in that world for a million years or your husband or your kids where you're like, I've had enough of y'all, it's time to go. You will never look back at God and go, I've had enough of you. 
you will always look back at him saying, oh, there's still something more. There is still something more about you. I got to get closer to you. I want to hear you speak to me. I want to hear you say this thing to me. Unending pleasure, unending joy. And the reason why they miss it is because they don't have anyone to be thankful to for all that we have, the very universe that they're in. It's like, hello, where did this universe come from? Where did this being that creates everything come from? I choked on my mint. Help me, Lord. Where did this being come from? Where did the knowledge of right and wrong come from? Where did my throat come from? Where did oxygen that I'm breathing and choking on come from? Where did it come from? We have to do this. Otherwise, listen to me, it is insanity. It is. You are reduced to insanity unless you are thankful to God for everything. The number one way you're reduced to insanity is the absurdity of having something come from nothing. They say, well, I don't believe in God. I believe in science. Because I believe in God, I believe in science, right? And And then I'm like, what science contradicts God. God is the God of science. God is the God of all truth. And then they think they've got us. They've, they've, they've went to seventh grade science class. They're ready to disprove us. I, so I say, what science disproves God? And they go, oh, the big bang. And then what do I ask them? Who banged it? And what banged? Did they tell you that in your class? I mean, you've got something exploding. I'm assuming it's not nothing. And then sometimes they're so deep and they're like, no, it was nothing that exploded. So nothing exploded. Yeah, nothing exploded. How did it explode? I don't know. Nothing has a lot of power. So so nothing, literally no thing, no thing, not anything, no energy, no mass, no, 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 nothing. That thing had a thing that exploded. Yeah, that's what exploded. And now we're all here just organized so beautifully by that nothing. So let's try, let's try an experiment with something that we have. Let's go down to your house and explode it and see what comes out after that. Let's go to your car. Let's explode your car. Because that's not even nothing. That is a something. Let's just explode some somethings that we already have and see how explosions of something work. Let alone nothing exploding nothing. But yet that is how they're so small. Oh, I'm so smart. I know science. I know astrophysics. I know that. No, you are a fool, the Bible says. If you forget, in all of your learning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And that's why every modern-day scientist stands on the shoulders of the Christian scientists who brought all the methods forward because they, Kepler, Newton, and so forth, Bacon, they all believed that the Creator God would organize a world that could be discovered. That was the, the joy of science, learning about their Creator, learning about how God made things. And then the other way it leads to insanity is that you and I, the number one thing we value is our personhood. You're arguing with somebody about God, and you can just say to them, well, it seems like you're really mad at him. You have a lot to say. Would you wish him uh, to make you a robot right now and have him force you to worship, uh, worship him? And they go, no, I don't want to be that. Well, then you have one thing to be thankful for, and that's your attitude right now. And you arguing because he could have made you a robot, but he allowed you to be a person. See, it's insanity. Here I am with my personhood that I did not get from myself, nor did I create myself. But I'm using it now to be angry with God, and I don't like the way things are. So 
if God just took that away from you and made you a happy camper, just lobotomized you, would that be better? Because he could do that to you right now. He could make you his pet. And they're like, no, that wouldn't be good. Well, then stop arguing with them for a little bit and get to know him. Maybe the reason why you're mad isn't about him. Maybe it's about the one that's a foe to him, the devil. And maybe you need to get mad at him and take out your aggression towards the devil and fall in love with Jesus and let his kingdom come and all the things you're upset about, he's going to make you happy about. You're upset about sexuality because you want to play potato head and change yourself and do Frankenstein on yourself. Why not let God, the one who made you, heal you and you'll find joy in your sexuality? You're so upset that you got pregnant after getting having sex. What did you think was going to happen? Maybe you should ask God about that process and how it works and how motherhood and fatherhood is a real big part of your life. Are you listening? And sticking substances up your nose and smoking stuff and all that wasn't what you were made for. You weren't made to find a mushroom. Seriously, I hang out with the farmer's name's Dave, Farmer Dave in Florida. And I noticed he had a lot of mushrooms that looked familiar from my times of doing hallucinogenic drugs. But I didn't want to seem weird because I'm my dad's son and my dad's a pastor and I'm a pastor. So I didn't want to ask him, hey, are these the mushrooms people get high off of? But I just kind of wanted to talk to him about it. So I just kind of went over to the manure because they grow out of the manure. And I was just like, which is crazy we were doing that, taking things from manure and ingesting it to lose our sober mind. Seriously. So I was just kind of kicking around the manure there. And I was just like, yeah, these look familiar. What kind of mushrooms are these? He's like, those are the bad ones. Those get kids high, and they come into our fields, and they try to steal my mushrooms. That's exactly what Farmer Dave told me. Do you think we were made for that? So all of our problems really are solved by the problem solver, Jesus. Jesus is the one we need to be thankful for. Jesus is the one we need to wake up and say, you are my creator. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Amen? And so today, we have to go back to this original intention. Not everything has a good original intention, but this is good for us to go back to God our Father who sent His Son Jesus so that we might have a relationship with Him and be thankful. He said, and I recommend to them that while offering up the ascriptions justly due to Him for such singular deliverances and blessings that they do also with humble penitence, penance, for our national perseverance and diso, uh, perversiveness, rather, that they would offer penance for our national perverseness and disobedience. Commend to his tender care all those who have become widows, orphans, mourners, or sufferers in the lamental uh, civil strife in which we are unavoidably engaged and fervently implore the interposition of the Almighty Hand to heal the wounds of the nation and to restore it as soon as may be consistent with the divine purposes to the fulfillment of peace, harmony, and tranquility and union. He is preaching better than most pastors this morning. Other than it being in 1800 English right here, do we get the point? He is saying that we need to repent for these things. Let's scroll up a little bit, please. Not only do we need to be thankful for the blessings, but we also need to repent for our perverseness. 
I would love to see Donald Trump say, we need to repent for our perverseness. We need to repent for our disobedience. That means there's commands if we're being disobedient to them. That means not everybody's way is right. That, that means in that statement right there, whether or not all these people lived it out, they had enough common sense to realize that the one who made this place had commands, and we ought to listen and obey them. And it doesn't take much of a prophet to understand we are not doing that right now. If they were perverse, hello, somebody, wearing, you know, suits and the dresses up to here and everything, little house on the prairie type stuff. If they were perverse, what do you think President Abraham Lincoln would say if he saw what we're doing right now in this culture? He would pass out, wouldn't he? Old Abe would just pass out and be like, whoo, you guys are crazy. What is happening here? We have to be thankful in this nation. Now, many of you did not come here did not come here understanding the history of this nation. And many of us who grew up here grew up in a time where we have not heard these things. And as I believe it should be told of the negatives of a nation so we can learn from their mistakes, I believe we should be taught this. And so I would like to call on the church this morning that those of us who believe in the God that Abraham Lincoln is talking about, that we would do this that we would not in our culture allow the perverseness and the disobedience of others to take away our thankfulness and obedience to God. Amen? Let's go to the scriptures, Philippians chapter 4. Look at your neighbors. That was just the introduction. Just getting warmed up. Just getting warmed up. Aren't you thankful for a preacher who likes to preach? by God's grace. But I wanted to read that to you so that we could get some history right now because people want to rewrite our history. I understand if there are things that need to get exposed. I get it. I get it. But there's a lot to be exposed in a lot of places. And I, I'm suspect when it's always geared towards the Christian, towards Western values. Are you guys tracking with me? I'm always like, why are we spending so much time on that, you know? I get it. It's important. But, but is that the only thing that people want to say is important? It seems like those who are neglecting, let me say it like this, it seems like what people are neglecting often shows you where their heart is. If we're talking right now about the problems that the pilgrims had more than we're talking about the problems of our own city, we are insane, right? Well, this pilgrim went over here and took Pocahontas' land. Dude, there are people on our streets right now killing other people just because they are on the wrong side of the street, like right now. Like, have we investigated that enough? Like, have we talked about that enough? Of course not. There are mothers murdering their babies and children right now. And you want to go back and look at this person's life. Well, Abraham Lincoln did this, and Martin Luther King Jr., he had an affair over here. And this is that. Man, okay, that's great. Let the historian do that. And if that's your passion on the side, you like the History Channel, that's fine. But is that what should be filling our minds right now? We should be full of the gospel, bringing it to all the areas of our city and of our culture. We should be shining as lights right now. I mean, it's interesting. Don't get me wrong. It is interesting. But, man, I have so much concern for what's happening in my streets right now. Forget about Pocahontas and all of that for a second. And let's just be honest. I don't even feel comfortable in many of the neighborhoods of the city that I love. Let, can we be honest about that? 
I was talking to my daughter on the way here, and as we were passing some homes, I just felt like sharing it with her. I said, we used to live in a house just like this where the window was on the sidewalk. How many have seen houses like that in Chicago? I mean, that's pretty normal around here, but she probably had never thought about that. I said, you could walk on our, you know, the sidewalk right next to our house, and you could just tap on our window. And you could, you could be a nice neighbor, and you could come tap on our window and be like, hey, what's going on, White Rostics? It's your neighbor. But that's not what my neighbors did at Lawndale and Potomac. For whatever reason, they loved right in front of my window and made it a drive through drugstore. That's what they did. Are you guys listening? You want to talk about Pocahontas, I want to know why I had to buy a shotgun living on Lawndale and Potomac because I heard them dealing drugs 10, 11 o'clock at night and my car got bricked driving through my own neighborhood. They're like, you don't look like one of us. And they threw the car, the, the brick at my friend's car. And then we drove two blocks to my house and I'm like, I am scared to even get out of my door. I'm, I'm scared to open the door. And he had to tell me, he was like, Pastor, you'll be all right. He understood some city living. You know, I was scared, man. He, he was the strong, brave Latino. Pastor, you'll be okay. This is how it is. And he brought me inside. Like he held my hand and he's like, you can do it. You can do it, Pastor. You can live here. And I'm like, but I don't want to do it. I don't want to do this. How do I bring my children into this world? I, I love the people, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love my neighborhood when the lights are on the night. You know, it's not nighttime, and everybody looks like they like me. But then they broke into my, my wife's minivan twice. And I think I know who it was. It was the people saying hi to me every time I came home. I'm just, I'm just thinking because they had all these young people, teenagers there, and they, the kids didn't like me, but the parents were nice. You know? But I'm thinking, like, you would probably know they broke into my car and in our van. And, and you guys are like, no, you're judgmental. No, I used to live in the hood, too. When I was in New Orleans, I'm talking to straight up hood. I one time had my house broken, too. It was a shotgun. I lived in the back. Family lived in the front. The young man was my buddy, so I brought him over, and I said, dude, look what they did, man. They kicked in my door, kicked in my door, went through, unlocked my, my, my door, and went in and stole my stuff. He's like, man, I feel so bad for you, Pastor. And I'm like, yeah, man, but I'm so glad. And I walked over here, and I was like, but I'm glad they didn't get this stuff. I'm glad this is like where I kept my Palm Pilot. Does anybody remember a Palm Pilot? I'm like, here's my Palm Pilot and all that. The next day, they broke down my door again. And then they took my Palm Pilot, and they took everything out of that place. I am so serious. I, I nailed a little plywood right there. The next day, it just kicks right down, goes right there, takes out the stuff. And I go, oh, man, I know Tuan didn't do me like this. I, I'm so sorry. I go, Tuan, did you do me like this? He's like, no, I didn't do it. And I'm like, well, we'll talk to your mom, Tuan. So I knock on the door, and I'm like, listen, I think, I think your son broke into my house. And she's like, no, baby, he didn't do that. I'm like, yes, he did. And this is when I was crazy and just didn't care. I'm like, I'm coming in and finding my stuff. And she was like, all right, baby, if that's what you want, come on in. And I walk right into the, his bedroom, and all my stuff is laying there. Except the Palm Pilot. Whatever he did with my most expensive thing to this day, I don't know. And I'm like literally gathering up my stuff. And I'm like, man, how in the world did this just happen to me? And then it's not like I marched my way back to the suburbs. I literally walked like two steps into the house that just got broken into twice. And I'm like, I don't feel safe right now, Jesus. Jesus, I don't feel like it's home anymore. 
And Jesus had to bless my little sweetheart and tell me, I'm with you to the ends of the age. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And I'm like, Jesus, but I got to get out of here. I got roaches. I got rats coming and living in here. I got people stealing my stuff. God was messing with me, telling me to bring homeless people into my house. And I'm like, God, you're telling me to bring in homeless people, sleeping with a knife under my bed. I just don't feel right. Sometimes I wouldn't even take off my socks. I would go right to the shower, take off my socks, leave them on the floor, come right out and step back on my socks. I didn't even have a little towel to step. I had to put back on my socks. I felt so just, man, I felt weird. I felt violated. But that was what life was like. How many are still living there today? Let's be honest. Some of y'all are like, that's my neighborhood, Pastor. I know because you tell me this all the time. You're like, pray for me. I have crazy neighbors. I have this going on. Man, we, we had somebody in the church that was saying almost consistently they were hearing gunshots. And now I'm telling you, and now we want to get, get, you know, get mad at the police department because of what one bad police officer did. I understand we need to work on that. But how many know this is a big issue, a bigger issue? Our own communities, our own families, urban violence, corruption, theft, you know, divorce, all of these things that we're creating in our own lives, abortion, dysfunctional families. These are the problems of our society. These are the reasons why we have the issues that we do. The other issues, I believe, will work out through those issues being settled. Philippians 4, verses 4 and onward, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord. How often? Always. That's why heaven won't be boring. And when we come to rule and reign with Christ, we'll be blessed in his presence. There will always be something to rejoice about. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, not just on this day, but every situation, not just on Thursday, but every situation, by prayer and petition, with what? Thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, the attitude of gratitude blesses you and protects you. The attitude of gratitude protects us from the troubles of this world corrupting our hearts and our minds. When you are thankful, brother, for that beautiful woman that you call your wife sitting next to you, you will never cheat on her one day. Because when you understand the treasure that God gave you in her, you will be faithful to the day you die. But the moment you become ungrateful, the moment you stop becoming grateful for it, then someone else can take your attention. God told me so easily back in the day when I was starting off my marriage, and I know we got a lot of marriage folks here, married folks here, so I'm speaking to everybody. God told me way at the beginning, if you are not thankful for her, if you do not appreciate her, you will lose her. Because what you do not appreciate withers up and dies. What you do not care for dies. And that happens in so many relationships. And not only just in our personal lives, but it happens in a nation. We, we go to the store and we're just like, oh, man, they don't have this, uh, this organic home grass-fed beef here today. They don't have the, oh, all these. Why did you do me like, oh, just take this, you know. We have become so just prideful in the provisions of God. Like, do you understand, like, for most of the entire history of the human race, you had to kill what you ate, and you had to go find it, and it wasn't at a grocery store. Do you know that still to this day, there are people around the world that have to go find their water? 
and yet we're drinking our water, the water God gave us. We're eating the food that God gave us, and we're not doing it with gratitude, and that's why we don't have the peace of God. I was thinking about this, and I would ask you to pray on it as well. Why are we in this generation so anxious and depressed? I know the easy answer is the technology. The technology and the fast pace of urban life, most of us are now in an urban setting. The, the cultures before us used to be on farms. Now we're in a fast-paced society and all that. I get that. But why is that so depleting to our soul? I get that there's something there, but why is it depleting? That's right, because it's all about us. We now have just the uh, on-demand, everything we want, and it's never enough. When you were a young child, do you remember having DVDs or VHSs? How many of you remember playing those things until they wore out? How many of you now have sat down at Netflix and said, there's nothing to watch? Come on, let's be honest. Now, I know there's a lot of junk there, but how many of you have sat at the Disney Channel going, there's nothing to watch? My wife came into our marriage with about 10 Disney movies that looked like they had, you know, been through everything and then some because they had been worn out, they had been played. She wanted to make sure we kept a VCR around. And when Disney Plus came out, man, she wanted that more than my kids did. But after a while, what happens? Oh, man, there's nothing here to watch. I've already watched it. Why? Because now we have been hurt by our own variety of choices. The multiplicity of choices, the multiplicity of options have not brought out the best in us. They have brought out the worst in us. Why are we cheating more? Why are people getting married less at a, you know, at a certain age now? They're getting, the, the average marriage age is going up, and the average people getting married is going down. Why is that? It's because Tinder is just one swipe away. Pornography is just one click away. And we're not thankful anymore. We're not thankful for what we had to work and what we had to build for. You would be a lot happier for that corn if you had to plant it. Amen. How many would be happier for that? You would be like, I understand what went into this. You would be a lot more happier with that cow if you understood how long it took old Bessie to get where she tasted good. You would be happy about your milk if you understood somebody had to go down there and squeeze it. Have you ever done that before? You ever did that? I've, I've done that. I grew up around farms. All my friends in the area of the suburbs I lived on either had friends that had farms or their grandparents had farms. My grandparents had farms. I mean, you just, you just grew up around. Like I told you, I grew up around the Amish. They still drove their horses. But you appreciate things when you have life like that. And so sadly, it's brought out our selfishness. We're not thankful. We're letting these things control us, and they're bad masters. They're bad. Your phone, your technology is a bad master. It doesn't care for your soul. Perverseness and sexuality is a bad master. It won't care for you like marriage does. Greed and, and, and the desire to become rich, to spoil it all on yourself, is a wicked taskmaster. It will never satisfy you. That's why today when we look at these superstars, it seems like you now today can become wealthier quicker than at any time in history. We have watched, most of us have watched a person go literally from being a college student to now being worth almost $100 billion, Mark Zuckerberg. We have watched people go from having almost nothing, nothing to their name, like an Oprah Winfrey, to having billions of dollars. 
And yet we still see all of the problems of our society because all of that quick wealth, all of that money, all of that land, all of this things, these things that we, we idolize as a, as a people cannot bring peace to our soul. And I love how it says here that when you're, you're praying, you're praying with thankfulness because we do still have to pray. We're not pretending everything is good. We are praying, but in our prayers, we're not having an attitude of greed. We're asking God to meet our needs. And so to guard that heart from turning towards greed, we're coming with thankfulness. That's why the Bible teaches us in the, in the Our Father prayer, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then what does it say next? Give us our daily bread, right? Give us. So what's the, what's the first the part of prayer? Magnifying God, asking for his kingdom to come. What's the next part? A, a universal communal prayer of blessing. God, bless us. Don't just bless me. Bless us, God. That's the heart that God wants us to have. And when we have that thanksgiving, we're bringing it, our petitions to the Lord. He hears us, and we're no longer anxious. And the peace of God, which I love how it says this, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart. Because you and I cannot understand how to be happy with less, but God will make us happy with less. We cannot understand how we'll be happy in monogamous relationships, but God shows us how monogamy will make us happy. God shows us how these things happen when up here it doesn't make sense. We feel like we need more. We need to have more. We need to be anxious about these things. And God is saying, I got the whole world in my hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. Come on, he's got the whole world in his hands, and he's asking us to trust him. Don't have time to get into these last verses in Philippians, but I do want to show you in the book of Psalms the one passage. Vinny, would you come please in closing? Would you scroll down for me, sir? Look at Psalm chapter 107, verses 1 and onward. This is the pattern that we need to have for the attitude of, uh, of, uh, of instead of uh, the attitude of greed, the attitude of gratitude. Switch out the attitude of greed for the attitude of gratitude. Guard your mind. That's what that other passage talked about, 8 and onward in Philippians. Notice how the psalmist says it. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is what? He is good. His love endures how long? Forever. Thank you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Or as the King James says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. Praise the Lord. That's an old hymn coming out of the King James. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You got to say so. You got to tell your story. You got to tell your story, people. You need to share it with your family. Share it with your loved ones. Share it on your job. Share it to yourself in a journal or a prayer to the Lord. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. Those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, west from north and south. Let's talk about being delivered from bondage. Some wandered in desert wastelands. Some wandered into the clubs. Come on, somebody. Can I hear an amen? Some wandered into suicidal thoughts. Some wandered into the desert. 
Some wandered into these desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. When you lived in the world, did you feel that restlessness, that it didn't satisfy? You never really felt at home even when you were at home. You never felt close to people even though you were close to people. That's what the Bible says. They couldn't find a place to dwell. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. Couldn't you just hear the cry of Harriet Tubman, Booker T. Washington, the different abolitionists who worked with those establishing the Underground Railroad? to the soldiers who mounted up to war, saying, God, deliver our nation from this wicked sin of slavery. Read some of their writings and be inspired for change. Can't you hear the cries of those in this generation crying out, God, spare our neighborhoods. God, spare our teenagers. God, we're crying out to you for our teenagers, Jesus. May they live and be fruitful. They cried out. What does it say? As they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, He delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way. Somebody say a straight way. Thank you. By a straight way to a city where they could settle. You know the, the real uh, thing that's being um, you know, memorialized here. This is going into the promised land, right? So God gives them this promised land, just like he gives us the promised land of us being his temple, where he dwells. He leads us into those pastures where we get close to him. He brings us next to those waters that restore our soul. He walks with us and talks with us, even through the valley. He gave them a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. In just a few moments, we're going to close out. We don't have the time to continue reading through all of this. But how many know, if I just asked you, if you could scroll up just a little bit, please, to verse 6. If I asked you to tell your story in the way this is talking about the promised land, and I asked you today to end it, giving thanks to God, how many know you would have a lot to be thankful for? How many know you could go on a little bit longer than just a few verses? <laughs> Hallelujah. Go into the details of what God's done for you, what he's done for those that, that love him, the testimonies that you've either personally witnessed or seen done in other people's lives the way that He's healed you and I emotionally, the way that He's comforted us in our times of sorrow, the way that He's encouraged us, given us peace when we couldn't understand a way in that situation to work out. We would have to, at the end, give Him thanks because we didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. It was because of His love that He did it. It was because of His grace that He did it. It's because He likes showing off to mankind. 
He could have left us in sin and allowed us to be destroyed, but he wanted to show his goodness to Marcella and to her daughter and to take what was once something in the world, a mess, and turn it into a message where her daughter gets baptized. Hallelujah. He wanted to take that which had been done against us for evil, like Joseph being sold into slavery, and turn it for good. He wanted us as a human people, His creation to be His body, to reflect to Him, to to give back to Him, to echo the testimonies of His goodness, of His grace, of His loving kindness. He didn't have to save us. He didn't have to give us a good ground to live on. He didn't have to give us air. He didn't have to give us the desire for justice and change. He didn't have to give us wisdom and technology. But He has. And so I want to encourage us during this time to get rid of all the junk, get rid of all the sin, anything that's being in your heart, my heart, that's of disobedience, perversion, let's get it out. And let's surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, being grateful. Amen? Would you stand up with me and bless him today? Hallelujah. Come on, can you put your hands together? I'm thankful I got my voice back. Amen? Band and altar workers, would you come please with the... um, with the heart of thankfulness. I'm thankful for all these prayer workers. I'm thankful for the band. I'm thankful for my brother up here tickling those keys.